0: Hi, my name is Mark. I'm the Prepper Guy, and this is a Prepper Guy podcast. In a world that's always changing and full of fear and confusion, and especially when it comes to prepping, I'm a minimalist and I like to be ready for anything that life may throw at us, whether it's bad, the end of the world, or just a flat tire on a deserted road. Well, hello, everybody. This is Mark Boyle, and you're listening to the Prepper Guy podcast. And as I had said in Last episode, I want to talk a little bit about Big Brother and how they handle things when everything just falls apart and the government feels this need to step in and fix stuff. So when there is a crap hit the fan moment in America, whether it's an EMP, but something that's totally catastrophic, that pretty much ends the world as we know it in America, so it's not just localized it's not just a community here or there but i'm talking about all communities all across america you know all 3300 or so counties and and everything as you knew it has now changed and how the government wants to do what the government always does so for me and my way of thinking the tiawtaki has always stood for the end of the world as we know it. And I think that always tends to lead people down this road of thinking that it's like all those people over there. I'm a prepper, it doesn't apply to me. But really, the we is you. We is me, it's us. The end of the world as you knew it. And that has a little bit of a connotation of normalcy bias. It's the world as you knew it. And and it can be anything. It doesn't have to be a catastrophic event. It can be the end of the world as you knew it if you lose a loved one or something tragic happens in your life and you lose your job or you you know get hurt really bad at work and you can't work anymore and support your family. That's the end of the world as you knew it. But how does it affect us when it's our world, you know, the entire United States of America? And, uh, and I think it, it tends to lead to normalcy bias. As preppers, we think when the world ends, it's going to end this way. And I'm going to react that way. And I have this and that stored in my food storage, and, you know, whatever, my preps, my bean band aids and bullets. Therefore, you have prepped for an end-of-the-world event as you knew it, but it might not end that way, and that's why you you need to, as a prepper, be prepared for any end-of-the-world situation, learning to camp and hunt, gather your own food and take care of your family, on a one week camping trip is the same as training to me in my book, you know, when you learn how to camp well, then you're pretty much prepared for any kind of disaster because you're gonna have to bug out. Now, I talk to a lot of preppers that say they're gonna hunker down, and and that might be fine, Uh, you know, I'm not gonna put my bias slant to that, but if it's a catastrophic event, I'm getting the hell out of Dodge. I I don't want to be even in my local community for the first couple weeks or month because there's a lot of chaos in in those types of situations and and uh if you talk to law enforcement they will continue to try to maintain law and order and in doing so you might be deemed a vigilante or a problem when you defend your property from known bad people because if you if you don't shoot them all and i hate to sound harsh and one of them crawls back into town and says hey man we were just going over to so and so's house to get some you know formula for my daughter and he just shot us now that might not be true but it usually requires an investigation to determine the validity of that and after some time the police might find that yes you were defending yourself it was justifiable and there was you know These guys are people who are bad actors. Um, Do you want to spend a week in jail during the apocalypse explaining your actions to law enforcement that is stretched thin during those types of situations? I would think not. You don't want to have to give up a lot of your gold and silver to find a lawyer who may have bugged out also. And, you know, and you've been arrested. You're in jail. so you want to you want to get away from that situation not because you're a coward but because you don't want to put undue stress on law enforcement and i've talked to a lot of law enforcement friends and they go that would actually be true and it would actually be a great help if people were willing to stand back and let law enforcement try and maintain law and order so that's why i give it a, a couple weeks to a month you know when the fires burn out you know, I'll I'll be high enough to see that my town has finally, you know, ended whatever has happened, and I'll be scouting and keeping an eye on things. And when law enforcement finally says uh, we're done here, we we got to stay home and protect our own families. Then that's my cue to go back home and help my community rebuild. I don't want to build a new community somewhere else. I, I I love the community I've lived in, and and I know the people. I'm just not going to be the sheepdog that's running around trying to put out every fire on my own and then end up, you know, getting shot or arrested. So, you know, yeah, my house might get burnt down, but let's face facts, if it's that chaotic during a SHTF, you know, event, then they're just going to burn your house down with you in it. You know, it's like, so, you know, they're not going to steal my land because, you know, Sacred. You can't just put it in their pocket and run away with it. So yeah, I might lose my house, but I don't lose my life. So that's why I have my preps and my stuff, you know, in other areas on the property. So if they burn my house down, you know, they may or may not find, you know, my other stuff. And, and if I'm planning out immediately, then I'll grab what's important to me at that moment. I'll grab my guns and my ammunition and stuff. And bug out to where I have what's important for my survival—my trapping stuff, my hunting stuff, my fishing stuff, whatever that may be—as far as within your wheelhouse of hobbies that you like doing until the world ends. So you you want to grab that stuff and get it to safety wherever you're bugging out to. So that's you know how I look at it, and we all tend to look at you know the end of the world a, a certain way when it when that happens, I'm going to do this well you you don't know that, but one thing we do know is that in a catastrophic event, we have a thing in America called continuity of government, Now, I have no problem with continuity of government. I just have a problem with the continuity of the government we have right now you know as Americans we're always like, "What can the government do about this? You know the police need to fix this the city manager needs to take care of that you know the the city street department needs to you know fill in all these potholes and so we're always looking to a government that as preppers and survivalists and just you know patriots we don't trust as far as we could throw them and yet our mindset our bias is that you know if there's a problem you, know, you call 911. Let the police solve this. Let this happen. So we we turn to them even though we don't want to, because if we don't, then we end up getting arrested if we handle certain things our own way. And so we've not only learned to accept that the government, local or federal, should fix everything, we, we, we also kind of expect it, and we've been taught that, you know, don't get involved, let the police handle it. And that's conditioning. You know, if you defend yourself, you might go to jail. So it's tough. And in a, in a Tiawaki problem, um, you don't want to go to jail because the system isn't running the way it used to. If it's an EMP and first responders aren't responding first, yeah, you will be. But um, you don't want to get arrested during that time. So we all look to government, even though we don't trust government. Well, government feels this, I don't know if it's a, a bad parent syndrome, but I probably have 400 plus books in my audio book library. I would say over 50% of them or more are into the world uh, stories or fiction. And a lot of them are, are, are nonfiction. You know, it's based on real life events that has happened in certain areas and stuff and it seems like that of that let's just say 200 audiobooks the government is always trying to do its job and keep continuity and then you know fix everything and that's why i brought up in the last episode it's like you know it used to be the the government saying well you know what uh if you if you go to oklahoma and you you know, you win this land race, you know, like uh, in that movie with um, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. She was actually kind of hot back then. I, I guess she's still kind of hot, but uh you know, where they go to Oklahoma or something and they have this big race, and the first person to stake out you know a couple hundred acres is they they own it. Well, that was the government's philosophy back then. It's like we need to get people out of the cities and we need to colonize the territory to the west. Well, the government didn't go in and set up power grids and water stations and all that, you know, crap back then or anything. They just said, go, you know, this is territory. It belongs to the people of the United States. And here's a way you can get a 100 acres or whatever and and uh, homestead it. And it's your land. Build a house, fight off the Indians and uh, the bad guys, and grow your own food and, and don't bug us. And that's how the West was won. Well, now we we reach from sea to shining sea. What is the difference really, other than we don't have electricity if it's a EMP, and we don't have all these government services anymore? Because trust me, you know we found out during the government shutdown that all of these servants, quote unquote, you know air quotes or whatever, these servants of the people don't show up if they're not getting a paycheck, and the ones that did show up were, you know, military, law enforcement and stuff like that where they they kind of have to, but all those other services that you would uh, like to see happening day to day, uh they go away when there's no paycheck. So if there's a collapse, you're going to see a lot of the services that are offered shut completely off. So you would really be kind of like the 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 pioneers heading west. You'd have no services, very little law enforcement and and very little, if any, help from the federal government. So you'd be kind of on your own. But the government wants to do what the government always does, which is try to fix stuff. And and it's not altruistic of them to want to fix our problems. Their agenda is control. So most of the time they create the damn problem, and then they can step in and fix it. Well, it costs money to fix problems, and therefore they tax us and then they fix the problem and then they keep the problem going over the years just like our border issues and then you know that's that's how they they hire uncle bob you know to, this is how it works so they're not trying to fix it because they give a damn about you or me they're trying to fix it because they created it and now they can fund it by fixing it so this is what they consider nowadays is continuity of government. And when you look at the government and the way it's set up in Big Brother, it's like, I, I don't really know if I want continuity of that government. You know, continuity of the the founders' government, a, a true republic, a constitutional government with limited power. Sure, continuity of constitutional government is a great idea. Continuity of this, what they call a democracy and and government overreach in a police state count me out but you can't be counted out of that equation because if it's a if it's an end of the world event what resources are available to the federal government they will try to you know get everyone together in a neat little camp and and feed you which they can't do and, and then be in control and I see it in all these these books I listen to that you know there's always corruption and it doesn't work and and I was listening to one, and I was like, "Man, you know wouldn't it be great if this community is fighting off their you know their their enemies, just like in the in the book uh One Second After" by William Forston. You know the community is on their own now they're lucky because they're so isolated, I don't think the federal government's even going to try to step in and help, but uh the movie series Jericho is the same thing." You know, everybody's like, when's the government going to get here? And they finally figure out that it's like, you know what, we're on our own, just like in the Wild West days. We need a sheriff. We need a marshal. We need a mayor. We need, you know, we need to get it together before we're robbed blind by looters and stuff and 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 some gang decides to take over our town. And so they, they handle it on their own. And I've always, you know, kind of harkened back to the Wild West days. You know, it's like, wouldn't it be nice if the government's idea of continuity would be more likely to go, okay, you know, we've we've reached out to these communities that we see are surviving this event. What can we do to help you? You know, we don't want you to move in like Darth Vader and rule our lives. Well, you know, we're fine. We don't expect you to feed us because you can't. And. With that mail ticket comes a little bit of loyalty on us to do what you say, and we don't want that. But what we would really like is we have a, a a group, a large group of, you know, looters or gangbangers or whatever they are, MS-13. Just name a hundred of these different groups that could, you know, amass quite a bit of power and alliances with other groups, and then just start sweeping across you know, small communities taking them over and, and taking all their resources and killing people. And, you know, almost uh, I'm a movie buff, too. So if you've ever watched The Postman, you know, you have uh, the one group that, you know, they go in and they take all their taxes, what they call it, and then a, a couple of able-bodied men from each community, and they, you know, force them into serving this military leader. and. and you know all in all you know if they weren't such dicks about it you know it wouldn't have been a bad idea to have a, an army of volunteers but no you know as usual the the one group the militia is painted as the almighty bad guy because you have to have a bad guy in every story but i don't know why they always pick militias but it, you know it wouldn't be bad for the government to say well we still have the Calvary. We have the military in your area, and the National Guard, and all that. And so, we're going to set up some communications in your crappy little town, where you can get a hold of us and basically dial nine one one, and we can we can try to get the Calvary there in time before you know you're overrun by you know wild savages, you know biker gang, and. But we don't want anything from you. Do we don't we, we don't need your damn allegiance because you're an American and we owe this to you. And the, and the military belongs to you, the people. So we will try to get them out there to help you and, and stop these bad gangs and declare war against this group called whatever. You know, in the last book I listened to, it, it was the, the Sons of Liberty, you know, which was just a, you know, a bunch of skinhead. Crazy people, but they were all well trained and they were doing quite well, you know, for themselves. But they were just evil and taking over towns and killing people and, you know, vindictive little, you know, kind of agendas and stuff. It Would be nice if the military just stepped in with their shock and awe, and eliminated them, took them out, arrested them. I don't care what they do with them, just stop making them be a threat to my community. But the, as as usual the federal government never thinks outside the box in fact they built the box and they don't really want to think outside the box and and if you present something to them they're going to go yeah but and and I was, I was watching uh Tucker Carlson last night and uh he had on some uh congresswoman or senator i missed the first part of the interview so i didn't know who she was and they were talking about the border issues and the border wall and Trump's agenda and all this. And and don't get me wrong, we need border security. We need something done with our border. I don't like walls. I mean, they work quite well you know, for keeping people in Berlin and stuff like that. So walls will keep us in if another group of really bad politicians in 10, 20 years, you know, Take over, and then all of a sudden we become socialist. And that wall that used to keep Mexicans out are now keeping us all in, you know, because of, you know, their are forced, you know, turn America into one giant FEMA camp, which is very possible. And as a paranoid prepper, um, it's very possible that that could happen over time because you look at how things have changed politically in America. So, what the government needs to do. Is, is have a plan, but they they don't, and the reason for it is like every time Tucker Carlson would ask the senator, I'm just going to call her the lady, because I don't know if she was a senator or a congressman, or I think she was a head of home, a, Homeland Security. If I read the tagline at the bottom, so she wasn't a dummy. And how do you you know fix this? And she's like, well, you know, we're trying to do this and we're trying to do that, and blah 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 and naturally it's everyone's fault and and we can't do that so there were a few you know options that Tucker suggested and she's like well you know if if Trump closes the southern border there are legal issues with that well what about building a wall well there are legal issues about that well why don't we uh you know electrify the fence that's pretty cheap oh there's legal issues with that So you see that no matter what option you give the federal government, there have become legal issues with it. So basically what she's saying is, we really are paralyzed and can't do jack shit because of all of these radical terrorist legal groups out there like the Southern Poverty Law Center that just want to stop everything. There's no reason. It's like a temper tantrum, and there's no reason and logic behind what they're doing. It's just they, they hate Trump, or they'll hate the next president if it's a Republican or a Libertarian. They want a socialist agenda, and, and so they throw so much legal issues up there that most cities and states can't fight it, and they're just like, oh, I give up. You know. So what, how, do you, how do you protect the border? Well, how do you get the government during a continuity of government, when you're basically almost under martial law, which I don't believe in, and we'll talk about that, and I have in the past, but we'll talk some more about it. How do you get them to say, we're just now the Calvary? You have a problem with looters or gangbangers, and it's a big group, you know, call us up. We'll, we'll try to get a a fort established out in your area because you guys are doing really well, just like they did in the Wild West days. And they had their, their you know, military forts and posts all around, and even here in Arizona, which was pretty isolated back then. They had, you know, they had a a, a troop of men, you know, in a fort with a log, you know, fence basically, uh, to keep the Indians out and stuff, and to protect the people. They weren't always there at the drop of a hat. But they tried to at least arrest, detain, or stop bad actors. And, and that's what we expect from our military. And these bad actors nowadays are heavily armed. And if they're bad people, they're probably robbing convoys and military bases that have been abandoned in people's homes. So they, they're going to outnumber you with not only manpower, but vehicles, guns. Um, Who knows what they'll steal, you know, rocket launchers. You don't know who you're fighting when they come up to your door and say, give us your town or we'll kill you. And so but if the cavalry being the military could come in, they got the drones they got, you know, and and even if there's an EMP, they're going to have resources. I mean, a lot of stuff is still, you know, pretty well hardened and protected. So they could, you know, they could scout with drones. They have clear imaging. And they have better weapons than the bad guys have stolen, so they have a better chance of fighting them than your crappy little community that you're trying to hold together with baling wire and you know bubble gum, basically. So that's what I would like to see. From a continuity of government standpoint, will it happen? No way in hell. So you're going to need to, you know. I know a lot of people in the community would like to just have their own you know, team and their own community and their own bunker and their own farmland. But you have that. It's the community you live in. If you live in a small community, you don't need to create a new community. There are thousands of communities in the United States. If you live in a big town, maybe you might want to scout around and find out a smaller community outside the suburbs of your big town, if you live in l a and you start scouting out, you might have to find a community you know north of you that 's a small farming community of good people. buy some property there, not like a thousand acres just you know buy a house with a big backyard where you can grow your own food and, and get to know the people and then when it when the crap hits the fan, all dynamics of that corrupt government that used to exist, are pretty much gone away. So now your little farming community or ranching community is isolated, and you're part of that, and your team can meet you there, and you can work together to protect your town, your community. But if if, if you want to just head west and build your own community, then yeah, that's that's fine, but you you can't homestead and build a, a, a town out of the dirt like they used to do in the Wild West. So you're better off finding one that's isolated enough with you know the resources you need to where you can fit in and get to know the people and go to the churches and send your kids to the schools and become part of that community. And then even if it's just one week, you know, every couple months. You're part of that community. They know you when you show up and you're like, hey, Bob, how you doing? How's the wife and kids? You know, how did the city council meeting react to that proposal you had? You get to know them. And then you don't have to go build a new town somewhere because when Teotihuacan happens on a massive scale, you're going to need to have a place that you can defend and protect. and And whether it's your own 100 acre, Place up in the hills, or if you join a, a small town, rural America, and become a, a member of the community and put down roots and raise your family there, it's going to need defending. And I think the biggest predator in a crap hit the fan or shit hit the fan event is you know, yes, there'll be the looters and the craziness and the nutty people but the biggest threat threat can and will be our federal government that will wanna push martial law they'll wanna take away your guns just like what happened in Katrina you know which had nothing to do with people houses being underwater they're like oh we got to get your guns it's like really maybe you could get me a boat you useless prick but no the the first thing they want to do is control and they want to control your freedom. And so as a threat, it could be and will be our federal government and continuity of government, because they're not going to default back to continuity of 200-year-old government. They're going to default back to, we're in charge. We own everything. You're our plebes. If you want our protection, shut up, get on the bus, and go to a FEMA camp. We can feed you there and, and and if, you, if you're if you not going to come here, we're not going to come help you. Or we might just arrest you because if you don't come to the FEMA camp, everyone left outside of the Iron Curtain is a terrorist. Even you and your precious little community, you don't want to help us rebuild America, so you must be a terrorist. And, and it falls apart really quick that way when you watch the government's actions and how they treat people that try to organize and at least have some modicum of security in their community. You will be branded terrorist, militia, nutbags, conspiracy nuts, whatever. They don't want to talk to you because they don't have control of you. And, and that's why you're doing what you're doing because you don't want them to control your life. So they're not going to be there to help the federal government will be the last place on earth that you will look for help in a Teotihuacan or Shit Hit the Fan event. The last place on earth because they will have their agenda and as always, their agenda will not include your well-being or that of your family. It will have to do with them getting more control and more power out of this event. And when all the dust settles, they'll have All the money again. They'll just go, well, we're consolidating all the gold and the silver and we're confiscating, you know, personally owned gold and silver and assets. We're the good of the the country. We need to rebuild and make America great again, just like we've done in all these disasters. And we're all part of this, you know, all for one and one for the federal government, basically. And so they will end up having everything once again. And nothing will change other than the players on the board. So they're not going to help. That's my point to this podcast. So when the the shit truly hits the fan, you will have to have your moral compass calibrated and right on the money. You're going to have to know where you stand on positions because things will be fluid and moving quickly. And you need to be a person that can, people can turn to that will help, not be a problem. And, and you have to predecide this way ahead of time. Who are you? What are you? And where will you stand? So if you move to a community and you're a good person, you don't have to be a sheepdog. You don't have to be the guy that is putting your life on the line every day to go Rescue a, the neighbor's cat in a tree because you know. Well, they're counting on me. No, you have to protect your family and then your community. And and if if the community needs your assistance and you have a skill set that would help the community, then that's fine. But if you're just some guy that's uh, you know really good at raising livestock, you don't need to join the damn militia. You need to join the farmers 4-H group in that community and help them raise food. And once you have enough food for your community, if you're doing it right, then all of a sudden you have what? Oh, you have commerce. Now you can turn to the other communities that aren't batshit crazy and go, hey, we are a meat producing community. We still have all of our meat packing facilities open and our ranches opening because we weren't stupid and we didn't let the government seize them. And we didn't let the bikers or the looters take it. You know, there's a lot of mass graves out there, people who tried to take our community. Now we have meat. You guys are a dairy community, and we need dairy products. Let's, let's get some commerce going here. We don't have to trade straight across. We can set up our own barter system or our own currency. We can do whatever works best for your community and my community. And then just like it did a hundred and some years ago, it started to organically grow back the way it was. So a Teotihuacan event is really going to be kind of like somebody grow you know spraying ground clear or kills all on your pretty lawn. It's dead. Everything is dead. And by nature in itself, it will grow back. But if you have the government acting as the lawn keeper, wanting to dig up all that old dead grass, we're going to replant new sod and all this shit that's going to cost you a fortune, or you could just let it grow back. That's kind of a weird example, but you kind of get it. You know, that's what shit hitting the fan will look like in America. You know, I didn't paint the picture as poorly as I see it when it happens. But you look at Katrina, you look at riots, you look at what happens when there's a trigger effect that just sets a community off. That violence, nationwide. People not thinking. Not just a bar fight in that stupid little bar that you never go to down the road, but a bar fight at Denny's, at that bar, at McDonald's. Everywhere you walk, you will be at risk. Of being attacked, vandalized, and hurt, victimized, whatever you want to look at it as, everywhere you walk. That's what crap hitting the fan looks like. And you will need to be able to hunker down, get your shit together, and leave town really quick. Even in that small community. I live in a small community. And I still plan on bugging out for a couple weeks because I have talked to law enforcement. And as good as the community is, and good people, hardworking people, they have built low-income housing all around our community. It's like a giant magnet that has brought in all these people that were losers when they moved out of wherever they lived before that put them in a position that now they had to come to my community because there were more freebies and more handouts. And they're the ones that are going to react. The most violently when all of a sudden they're like hey man i'm on the government dole here i paid my dues or whatever they think their sad song is that warrants them a a get out of work free card forever you know where's my electricity where's my ebt card hey man i got people knocking on my door saying that i need to move out because they need this you know apartment for somebody else that can pay rent man." There, I'm entitled, I'm entitled, I'm entitled. Where's my water? Where's my garbage? Where's my food? Where's my daycare? And they've all moved into my community. And they've probably put up, I don't know, enough apartments for probably 200 people. My community didn't have 200 poor people before they built that. And you know what? If you're poor and your life sucks and you've shit on your family so much that they won't even help you. Then I don't want you in my damn community anyway. So I asked the mayor, I go, why'd you build that? And he goes, well, it was all federal funds that built that, you know, and it helped our community. I go, no, it's a big magnet that draws in, you know, pot metal and garbage. I say, because I get to pay in my taxes and property taxes that went up for garbage, water, uh, that we had to build up a little. Like a mass transit thing in our little community, which you could ride a bicycle across in like, I don't know, five minutes if you were really bad at riding a bicycle. So they put in a bus route, you know, and all this stuff. Who paid for that? I did. So how did it help my community? Zero, zip, nada, nothing. And so that's why I'm going to leave my community as good as the community is, as salt of the earth as it is. We've allowed people to come and use our resources because of the federal government welfare that built these apartments, and now I have to live with them. And I'm not a snob. I don't mind poor people. I was born poor. It's just these people don't work, never have. That's why they're homeless because most of them aren't military vets that have PTSD. They're just dirtbag, crackhead losers. I've seen him. I've talked to the police. They're like, that guy's a piece of shit. He was a piece of shit when they threw him out of California. It's like, oh, my God, they threw him out of California. You got to really be a a work of art for that to happen. So you're going to want get, to uh, get away from the bar fight for a while. And then you can come back, rebuild your community. And if we can keep the government from doing what the government does, which is want to fix everything, just like a bad mechanic, the minute they put their head under the hood, it's going to cost you five times as much. It's going to take twice as long, and it's still not going to work when they're done extracting all your money. Because that's how the government works, because they want to come back next week, stick their head under the hood of your car again, and rob you some more. Because they created the problem. They put the sugar in your gas tank the other week just so you had to call them and go, hey, man, what's wrong with my car? Ah, let me check it out. Will they ever tell you there was sugar in the gas tank? No. Will they tell you they put it in there? No. And this is our government. This is what we live under. It's, It's sickening as an American to see it. But you and I both know that nothing gets better when the government's involved. Reagan had it right. The worst words you can hear is, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Bullshit! You are. You're here to rob me one last time before I kick the bucket. Is why you're here. So that was my my little bit of my rant on, you know, government, and and hopefully you can kind of see what I'm trying to touch on because it's it's hard sometimes to to take all the pretty little thoughts you have in your head and spew them out on paper or you know, in a podcast or even a video because you see them clearly like I do. But when you try to explain it, usually my wife looks at me and goes, what are you talking about? Even though she just said the same thing, but I, you know, I have a hard time and we all do making that synaptic jump to get the, the, the picture across. But if you, if you watch some old Westerns and you watch some old movies and you you look back at you know how the West really was one. It was people that didn't have a government to help them because the government was small back then, and they didn't need a government to help them. Look at Lonesome Dove when you know the two stars the, you know decide to was it Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Robert Duvall or whatever that decide to go to Wyoming and open a cattle ranch, and one of the guys goes like, "Why?" and he goes. I hear there's land there, and uh, nobody has a ranch out there right now. That's all it took, a dream and an opportunity. And they moved out there. They fought all the problems. They had all their issues. And and the government didn't come in and say, oh, you want to be a rancher? Well, here, fill this form out, um, and, and, and then go to that window over there. Yeah, tell them how many cows you plan on having and what color they are. We need to know what color they are. What do you care? They're cows. Like, uh, color is really important. And uh, we've learned not through ranching because we're dumb as shit, but we've just learned that, you know, these kind of cows seem to like this kind of grass more. And so you see what I mean? You know, they just did it. And you know what was funny about that movie is when he came back to his ranch, the guy was still ringing the bell. 30 years later, or whatever it took him to get to Wyoming and set up his ranch and go through all of what they went through, you know, during the whole, you know, three hour movie of Lonesome Dove, to get back, he still owned his property. Because, see, there wasn't property tax. You owned your property, it was yours. You don't own it anymore. So they got their finger in every pot. And when there's a shit hit the fan moment, the government will be down. But they will not be out, and that the really shrewd, sneaky, no good for nothing politicians that survive will be trying to get a foothold and take control and take power back again, and they're going to do it in the name of helping. We don't need their damn help. And if you, if you a prepper and a patriot, you kind of understand. Not only do we not want their help, we don't need their help, but they will throw all these safety nets out there and go, well, you know, if you let us rebuild your town and you come live in the in the FEMA camp, it's only temporary where we can, you know, check you out and give you medical treatment and, and then you'll get your shots like a good little doggy. And then eventually we'll turn the power back on in your community, which we now own. Oh, by the way. And then you can go back home, and and it's for your own good. Well, personally, I'd rather die. I'd rather get a stupid-ass infection and die when the world has come to that than go to them and get help and surrender all my liberty and all my freedom to them. Because then, in a sense, I'm dead anyway, right? So hopefully you kind of understand where I'm going with this stuff. I have zero faith in the federal government. I hate the federal government. I have no respect for the federal government. I love America. I love the constitutional republic that was set up. And so when I say I hate our government, I'm not talking about what should have been, but I'm talking about what is now. And what is now is just a fucking disaster. And we all know it. And there's no doubt about it. It is a mess. It is corrupt. It is evil. And it is not set up for your good or mine. So, when we have the luck to actually have a catastrophic event that maybe kicks our government in the teeth and knocks them down, where we can actually rebuild an America that we talk about. So, we'll have that opportunity as long as we don't fall victim to the BS and all of the hype that they're going to be shoveling out during that time. To me, when I have said in the past, an EMP would be the greatest reset for America and the world, I meant it. It would be like when God in the Bible confounded the tongues of people during the Tower of Babel and made them all speak different languages and they could no longer communicate, it was was probably horrible. A lot of people probably died, just like an EMP. But every once in a while, God even looks at it and goes, you people are getting a little too big for your britches. Why don't I just scramble all your languages so you don't know what the hell you're talking about anymore? So he did it then, and he might just do it again. And I think an EMP would probably be an awesome way to do it. And when that time comes, we can look at it as a curse or a blessing, just like anything God throws in our path in our lives. It's either a curse or a blessing, but either way, it's how you respond to it. Me personally, I'm going to be, I'm not going to say happy, but I will be glad if we don't fall into the government's trap because they will be the one still standing that has the resources to either make our lives better and rebuild the republic or make it worse and create it into a socialist society. And you know that's on the table. I hear that all the time. Everything's on the table. Everything's on the table. We're talking about that. The lady that I heard on Tucker Carlson, well, you know, all that's on the table. You know what? I've come to the conclusion that the table is so cluttered with shit that's on it It's like a mile deep of garbage that it's not really on the table anymore, is it? Because if you can't find it, who cares where it is? I'm starting to rant and rave, and and so I just wanted to make that, that one point. You need to be ready. That's why we prep. And what I see in my mind's eye is the government will step in and try to fix things, and they're their motives will not be for your good, but will be for their good. So be aware, be alert, be ready. So maybe we can step in and go. No, what we want you to do is this, and that's the end of the story because we, the people, have spoken. So I hope you guys all have a great day. I don't know what we'll talk about next time, but this was on my mind and it kind of ran over from the last uh, the last podcast. So go find uh, two crazy guys dot um, com it's our website network dot com is uh, the Contra Radio network with John Jeffers that's put all this uh, together there'll be the the hillbilly prepper podcast with my friend uh, Terry Cass great guy so his podcast will be on dot com and on the podbeam account, listen to him find us all obviously PrepperGuy.com. dot com and theredstateunderground.com with my friend Don Lowry. I hope you guys all have a great week. If you have anything you'd like to say, send me a, uh, an email at mark at and we can talk about other shit. Have a great one, and enjoy the apocalypse.